This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Garden State of Hockey podcast. I hope you are uh, listening to this in a similar fashion to uh, the way we're recording it in that each of us has a screen up right now with the Devils scrimmage going at camp and it's very exciting to see Devils hockey in any form as the Devils have resumed training camp in preparation for the season that's going to start in uh, at the time of recording 11 days for New Jersey with a contest against Boston very excited to usher this season in with John Fisher my co-host and the uh, consistent part of this podcast as well how's it going John it goes well, despite the snow that's happening right now as we record. Yeah, luckily there's no uh, snow delaying the scrimmage going on at camp, as right now at the point of recording, we've had goals from Andreas Janssen and Damon Severson, which is always refreshing to see. Uh, we have some key parts missing that we'll talk about, but most of all, happy Devils hockey season. We're here to talk about training camp and what we've seen so far, and I think we're going to skip going over the entire training camp roster, since it looks... Very similar to what you'd expect. Uh, I don't think there are any sort of surprises that are there, but I think there are players with um, whose chances went significantly up to make the team that have arrived at camp. Uh, for example, Jaeger Sharangovich uh, is looking to have at least an outside shot into the bottom six, and that wasn't the case before the start of this KHL season. So in terms of you know the the camp announcement and the players listed there john did you see anything that you would consider surprising or was it pretty much exactly the list of players you'd expect it's about the same i mean the we know that the devils were called uh Kwakinen, sharon govich merkley so they're all here the only players that i believe are still loaned out and um that are not in camp that you know i was thinking they would come back by this mm -hmm. time, but I guess they're going to just keep the loans going until the AHL season starts, which tells you exactly where they are in the pecking order of the organization. Yep. But that would be Fabian Zetterlund, who's still playing with AIK in the all, all Hockey Allsvenskan, and uh, Marion Studenich, who's still playing in Slovakia. So they're not in camp. Um, I would have liked to have seen Studenich get a look, just because I think he's been playing pretty well in Slovakia. Um, as far as I could tell, there's not really much there that he's doing that, you can't sit back and go, well, you're doing well. Right. <laughs> I mean, he's doing a good job there. So, but I, but I get it. If, 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 the, if the organization, the powers that be, Tom Fitzgerald, Lindy Ruff, and the other decision makers think student each doesn't really have much of a chance, might as well keep him playing in competitive games in Slovakia as opposed to hanging out in Newark doing a scrimmage, which is what 
people are doing mm-hmm. right now. That being said, those are not the names that people are most surprised at not seeing on this <laughs> list. There is one rather significant name not here, and it's a bit of a problem. It is everybody's favorite six <laughs> round, former sixth-round draft pick, the diminutive, flashy, agile, Jespery, Jesper Brock. The Jesperiest uh, remaining Jesper in the New York area as Jesper Foss has moved to the Carolina Hurricanes and Jesper Boquist is still fighting for his spot on the main roster. But yeah, Jesper Brett. He's not Jesper. Yeah, he, he hasn't earned his full Jespering. Uh, but Jesper Brott is uh, someone who needs a new contract. And the issue is, I, I looked up the um, procedures here now, and it's a seven-day quarantine that's needed if he was to play in the first game of the season alongside four uh, consecutive negative tests for uh, COVID. So it, it's something that he... This needs to be done, uh, I mean, pretty much at this point yesterday or two days ago, and it hasn't been done yet. And based on Tom Fitzgerald's comments, they seem to be... Um, in discussions with Jesper Bratt to have a deal that looks similar to Mackenzie Blackwood's. Obviously, that is not sitting right with Bratt's agent as he declined to comment and directed reporters to the Devils exclusively for any sort of communications about that. But uh, Fitzgerald seems confident that they'll get it done, and maybe he won't play in the first game, but he will be a Devil uh, in short order. Well, this is similar to what we saw about a season or two back with Miles mm-hmm. Wood where he effectively, for lack of a better term, held out. Now, that's a thing that happened a lot more often in the 80s and the 90s when players didn't have nearly as many options or or as many rights in free agency as they do Mm -hmm. now. That being said, with Brad's age and his status as a restricted free agent, he he obviously was not arbitration eligible. So this is kind of the only leverage that he has is, I'm just not going to play. (laughs) Which I don't know how that's a benefit for anybody since Brad has not played a single game of competitive hockey that I'm aware of since March. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, everybody's going to be cold to a degree. Everybody's going to be really rusty at the start of this season. When I mean everybody, I mean everybody. But Brat is a special case because he's not even in America right now. And that's, that's, that's what adds to the problem is that he needs to get a work Mm -hmm. visa. And this may shock and amaze you, Dan, but government bureaucracies do not care that much about, you know, professional athletes during a pandemic. No. So his, he's not going to get his work visa, you know, like the moment he's signed. It's going to take a couple days as well. And until he gets that visa, he may not be able to come back to America, period. So, yeah, when you say this should have been done yesterday, I would say it should have been done a month well, yeah. ago. But for whatever reason, both parties are just far apart. And I can't I can't really fathom why, because I can't imagine Brad's asking for the world here. Yeah, he, he's, he's part of the team's core in a sense, but what has he done to earn a massive contract, assuming he's even asking for one? And of course, we don't know if Tom Fitzgerald is being particularly uh, stingy here for one reason or another. I mean, you know, it's not like the Devils are strapped for cash. They're owned by a multi-billionaire. Uh, and they added Andreas Johansson in his contract, uh, which has three more years on it. So it's not like it's not like they're not willing to add salary as needed, and the cap is absolutely not an issue. So I'm, so I'm kind of baffled as far as what is the, what is the disagreement over? Is it term? Is it a clause? Is it just the raw number? Like, 
I don't get it. Yeah, I'm not sure what it is either because the the term itself, the one that Blackwood signed, maybe they don't like the fact that the term still makes Blackwood a restricted free agent by the end of that contract. It's kind of more of a bet on himself contract, which is a nice luxury for a goaltender, but maybe not someone who's a sixth round pick. Um, and I'm I think they might be shooting for that extra year to get him to unrestricted status, but I'm not sure what the uh, what the benefit of that is for him either in case it doesn't go well for him these next couple of years. Yeah. And I, and I brought up miles wood initially, not just because he was, you know, I think the most recent name I can think off the top of my head that did this, but you know, it's not like Brat has had this amazing career so far. Don't get me wrong. It's massively a success just because he made the NHL at age 19 after playing in the second tier of Swedish hockey, right. like, you know, it's not like this is a guy that, you know, was drafted, in, you know, in the first round or the second round. And you go, oh, he had a great camp. So we bumped him up early. Like this dude played, came out of nowhere. But at the end of the day here, we're still talking about somebody. And I'm briefly looking this up here. Um, we're talking about somebody here who's he's 22. Uh, and he has I'm looking at the totals here. Yeah. In 185 games, he has 100 points, which is pretty good. But. You know, he also has never topped 40 points in a season. He would have done it last season, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, he had 32 and 60, so he was at least – he set career highs in goals last season. He did beat the expected goals model last season. So there was a sense that – I don't want to say the word breakout, but it was it was, it was was a good year for, for mm -hmm. Rot. Uh, but nothing that makes you say, okay, I need a lot of money right now. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm interested like, if there, you know there's still a sense of you gotta prove it. Dude. Well, I wonder if the global situation has a lot to do with it, just given everything the uncertainty surrounding everything, and um, you know, knowing that there's always the potential for the hockey season just not to um, fully go through, see if that hurts his numbers in future negotiations. But I don't I don't really know. It's it's something that. They should just get it done. Like, everyone wants to get it done. Both sides seem to want to be exactly where they are, and there's, you know, disagreements to the extent that it's not worth holding them out over some money, especially considering the Devils have ample cap room still left over, uh, and they're not really spending it. They're not trying to make any more transactions, and uh, Fitzgerald seemed to indicate that this is the closest the uh, roster is going to look to the one on opening night. Well, I would hope so, because Brat's the only one that's missing. Right, right. No, I mean, like, in <laughs> terms know? of no surprise additions or free well, agents yeah. or big trades coming uh, that we know this of. This is true, yeah. Yeah, there are there are no uh, tryout contracts to veterans to fill out a taxi roster or any tryouts to wink, wink, nudge, nudge somebody as a signing. Mm -hmm. Mike Hoffman, Travis Hamannick, uh, just to throw out yep. some names. You know, I'm just throwing out names, yeah, yeah. man. Just, you know how just I names. Am. I just spit out <laughs> hockey player names, you know, out of nowhere. Um, more seriously, though, yeah. Nobody benefits from this standoff here because, yeah, the Devils certainly have the bodies to play right wing, but Brat is significantly better than every other player on the roster that can play right wing with the exception of the pride of Montreal, New Jersey, uh, Kyle mm -hmm. Palmieri. Every, you know, Brat is easily a top six winger on this. That being said, Brat does himself no favors by not playing because he has not played yeah. anywhere. He is effectively... I, I imagine he's in good shape. I hope he's in good mm -hmm. shape. But as any professional athlete will tell you, there's a very big difference between being in shape in the gym and being in shape in your sport of uh, choice. And Brat really needs to, if he wants to 
hit the ground running in, in the NHL this season, which I presume he wants to do. Um, Got to get to camp. It, it's not ideal. It's not perfect, but it's better than nothing. So, you know, nobody's benefiting from this standoff here. The Devils are worse off board per their roster, and Brat is not helping his case since he's going to just be rustier and rustier, or maybe stay rustier, I should say. And um, obviously he's not going to help his uh, earning power by not playing hockey. Right. Yeah, and that's something that it would just be easier for both sides to get a resolution here as soon as possible and also would help the coaching staff a lot. It would be something that they could really try out a player that they count on being there for the season. And they've already lost, you know, they haven't lost, but he, he's not participating in training camp the same way he could, ideally. And that's Nico Heischer. And also Mackenzie Blackwood uh, tweaks something that it doesn't seem too serious, but you know, it's less important if he's out there because they're trying out different line combinations. You can have your uh, backup goalies or Binghamton goalies or taxi squad goalie filling out the spaces and taking Blackwood's place. It would be nice for him to get reps with uh, shots against actual NHL players, but that's a little less important to me than making sure to establish line chemistry. And he sure has enough experience at this point in terms of centering his own line that he should be able to slot in whenever he gets back. But Brat doesn't have that same benefit. He needs to maybe find some chemistry with new linemates and potentially new centers. Exactly. And with the way the season is set up, keep in mind, this is not only 56 games, it's also 56 games where you're going to be playing the same opponent night after night, and nobody has a preseason to get ready. So I imagine, at least for the first few weeks, Dan, that there's going to be a lot of, you know, quote-unquote, minor injuries, a lot of pulled hamstrings, pulled groins, uh, quote-unquote, upper body injuries where a guy is going to be missing for a game or two. So lines are going to be jumbled up. And throw in the fact that you're going to play the same opponent, maybe not back-to-back, but, like, in consecutive games, you may want to have the flexibility to, excuse me, switch up a couple lines, provide a different look. So this way, you know, Boston on January 14th doesn't see one thing, and then on January 16th they just go, eh, we already know what the Devils are going to put out there. Um you know, you want to mix, be able to mix things up if only to keep your opponents on their toes, which in a season like this, that that there's some value to that. And to make that work, Dan, you got to be able to play with different players. And Brett not being there is is hurting that cause. And to a lesser extent, he sure uh, recovering from his apparent foot injury, which shout out to the local beat writers for getting scooped again by Elliot Friedman. Mm-hmm. Uh, since Friedman provided this information. Um, I mean, he sure is not in a boot. He's not in a cast. Like, it seems to be more minor than everything else. Tom Fitzgerald claims that he sure is going to do everything possible to be ready by the 14th. So, true. But, again, for the reasons I just explained, you'd rather see him in these scrimmages just to get familiar with everybody. Because you're going to, at some point or another, you may have to play with some of these wingers that ordinarily you may not in an 82-game season. Yeah, and he's someone who is... You know, if this was a normal season, he'd still be potentially looking at a new winger on his opposite side, even with Brat not there. Uh, Andreas Janssen is someone who figures to be in the top six for an extended period of time. So at some point, he'll be playing with Heischer. At some point, you know, most likely he'll be playing with Hughes if the situation calls for it. So um, it's something that's important to establish, especially for the only new face in the forward core. Everyone else is 
either you know with the organization already or is coming up and is a prospect and uh has been a prospect for a while so they're familiar with these camps they're familiar with these players or they played with a bunch of them in binghamton and you'll see a lot more names that were in binghamton last year and uh, a lot more prospects the devils and the binghamton devils are also you know, skewing much younger. You're not seeing, like you said, a lot of veteran players signed to PTOs, not a lot of minor league contracts for veterans left over. And now they're just leaning into their entire prospect pool, which, you know, we spent weeks ranking and there's good reason for that. It's because there are so many, such a high volume of young prospects that it is really worth seeing what you have in there. And if you don't, you know, if you can't attend this camp, you don't get the opportunity to uh, play alongside them. And also, I'm sure the veteran players give some input in terms of uh, who should be considered for the team as well. I'm sure they see some things in practice, some habits that um, maybe the coaches don't get to see all the time. So that could contribute to who ends up making the first iteration of this team. Exactly. Not just the the 23 men active roster, but remember, teams are required keyword required to have a taxi squad mm-hmm. with them, um, whether it's for COVID reasons or for, as I mentioned, the minor injuries that are bound to happen. You need to have four to six players, including one goaltender with you at all times. Um, and that's presumably going to stay the case when the AHL, hopefully knock on wood, uh, resumes on February 5th. Um, so, you know, if you're a guy like, say, I'll just throw his name out there, Michael McClaude, for example, mm-hmm. you know, this camp is important because you, you know, even if you don't make New Jersey, you want to at least impress enough for the coaches to say, you know what, we'll keep you around. You can participate in practices. You can travel with the team. And if needed, we'll call you up and from the taxi squad and then you can play right away. Um, as opposed to later on saying, eh, you're not good enough. You need to go back to Binghamton and hang out for longer and have to deal with the travel and whatever other issues that are happening in the AHL with respect to the pandemic and the fact that likely that season is going to start with no preseason. Yeah. And uh, you're just going to jump right into a short, a very, very short schedule just to get something going there. So for the for the Michael McLeod, the Nathan Bastions, the Nick Merkley's, um, it's not, a, you know, it's one thing to um, – compete for an NHL job because there is an NHL job available, especially with Brat not being there at the moment. There absolutely is another spot at right wing open. And all those guys I just mentioned are currently scrimmaging at right wing right now. So coaches are looking at them, but you know, if you're not going to make the 23, make the four to six, because at least that'll tell us, okay, the, the, the team thinks you're mm-hmm. close. And we have um, a pretty will good be a little sense problem. of who's going to be there, right? Like we, we have a pretty decent idea of, the usual call-ups the Devils have. Not necessarily. I think with the with the additions that Fitzgerald brought mm-hmm. in, like Merkley, Quackenden. Um, I mean, you could even see like a Sharon Nolan Govich, foot there. Or a Mikhail Maltsev. Mm-hmm. Um, not to mention, we just mentioned forwards. I mean, ideally, I think this taxi squad is going to have to include at least one defenseman. It'll be 2-1-1, on one, it. one, right? It'll um, be two forwards, one defenseman, a goalie. Well, it could be that. It could be three forwards, two defensemen, and a goalie. The only requirement is that you have to have a yeah. goalie. And and personally, my opinion is, since you have no AHL hockey right now, you might as well go to mm-hmm. six. Like, you're not, you don't have to pay them any extra. This is one of the quirks of the taxi squad, is that you're on the taxi squad physically, but per the salary cap and the books and all that good stuff, Dan – you're still considered an AHL mm-hmm. player. So you get paid at your AHL salary and you have to be called up 
and, and sent down. Whoops. You still have to make the you paper transactions, you mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. But for a guy like Merkley or Bastion, guess what? They lost their waiver exemptions this past right. season. They they hit their their number of seasons since they signed. Guys like uh, Josh Jacobs, Colton White, they lost their exemptions as well. Uh, Tennyson long lost his exemption. So you have to play this game of like, do I put taxi squad guys of guys that I'm pretty confident can skate through waivers, but may not be very good or guys that I'm more hopeful about contributing at the NHL level, but could get picked up like a Bastion or a Merkley. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, Quackenham was a Fitzgerald um, acquisition. I got to think he's a favorite to make mm-hmm. the team. They're bigging up. They're bigging up Sharon Govich. They're pumping his tires a little bit. I'd be surprised if he wasn't on the, with New Jersey longer than uh, January 11th, I think is when they closed mm-hmm. camp. Um, so, you know, there, there are spots to be had <laughs> and going back to the other point, what we were saying with Brad is that guess what? You have to be here to compete for these spots. Brad is at least once he gets signed, he's an NHL player. That's not a concern. The concern is, all right, he's not here. So who's our plan B? Yeah. And there's a bunch of bunch of options for plan B, as I mentioned, Merkley, Bastion, and McLeod. Uh, you could slide Gusev over to the right wing if you really want to. Well, there's there's players that are still trying to break through, um, you know, who were in Binghamton last year. Like the example, uh, and reflecting a scoring change that just happened in the game, it turns out the first goal for Team Red of the scrimmage was scored by Nate Schnarr. Schnarr is one of those that has not really mm-hmm. been considered for the big Devils roster, but he has a chance to make a name of himself and make that taxi squad for the reasons you just listed. It's something that, you know, if he has a good showing here, why not? There's, there's no reason not to. It, it's There's a lot of players like that, that that live in that universe of, well, are they AAA or are they quad A? Are they someone who is going to uh, perform in the NHL and not be a detriment? Or is it someone that will actively make the team better? Exactly. And, you know, the Devils have quite a few players like that. And that's what a camp is perfect for. And that's why, um, you know, the coaching change is definitely a significant factor because, you know, with John Hines, Ray Shero, and that, that their group, they had they probably had an opinion on Schnarr. I mean, they traded for mm-hmm. him. Uh, he was part of the Taylor Hall deal. But now we have to ask the question, OK, but what does Lindy Ruff think of him? What does Mark Recchi think of him? What does Tom Fitzgerald think of him? What does, um, you know, what do the training staff think of him? What do, you know, you know, it doesn't seem like a massive sea change at the top because Tom Fitzgerald went from assistant GM to main GM. But believe it or not, Dan, it's a big change and you almost have to prove yourself all over again. And that's kind of the life of these types of players, Dan. They bounce from, you know, team to team and hope they get their one opportunity. And if they get that opportunity and do well, you know, they get an NHL job and can go from there. They can build on that success and if they don't, then, well, they become a journeyman player and try somewhere right. else. And there's nothing wrong with that except for, you know, it won't no, be not. a member of the Devil's Log. And that's okay. But they no. will no longer be featured on this podcast if that's the case. Unless they end up playing against the Devils and doing something yeah. against them, then we may have to mention it well, here Which and you there. know will be on the back um, of all of their minds. This is something that concerns them and keeps them awake at night. Well, some fans you know, still lament the fact that the Devils didn't have, didn't sign Anton Strawman, who was brought in on a tryout, <laughs> but the Devils literally didn't have any room for him. Um, and then, you know, Strawman turned out to be He's pretty good again, a classic. Well, again, he was a classic case of like, he just needed an opportunity in a different environment. It just so happened that environment 
could have been New Jersey, wasn't, and ended up being with our hated rivals, mm-hmm. and then more palatably with Tampa Bay. Um, you know, so that's 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 kind of mm-hmm. life. You know, you take your chances. Sometimes they work, and sometimes it blows up in your face. But this is not the Garden State of Life, Dan. This is the Garden we State keep, of Life. We keep bringing it there, but it's not going to be there. We need a little bit more funding to make the Garden State of Life as well. Exactly. <laughs> so all of you out there, don't give us any money because we're not the people to ask. <laughs> you go, go somewhere else for your Garden State of Life. Uh, yeah. In any case, Dan, you know what else is happening in the world of hockey? What's that? The World Junior Championships. Yes, the World Junior Championships, which featured many devils. And we're down to a lot fewer devils uh, as whether yes. it, due to injury or due to their team getting eliminated in heartbreaking fashion. Um, the remaining teams are the United States, Team Finland, Team Canada and Team Russia. This is, you know, this is a pretty much an expected lineup of what you'd see in most world junior championships or really most international hockey tournaments with you know finland and sweden kind of being interchangeable there uh finland sweden the u.s i would say in the final four being interchangeable but um finland came back against sweden very impressive game after being down two nothing and sweden looking kind of listless after taking the lead like that and finland came back uh won the game with a 23 second remaining goal that eliminated Alexander Holtz, our beloved top shooter of the tournament so far, um, in at best fifth place. And, you know, while that happened, the U.S. has not been seeing a lot of Patrick Moynihan. He's been hurt. Not bad enough that it warrants, you know, them keeping him out or sending him home, but bad enough that they don't think it's worth risking it for him uh and on the other side dawson mercer has been shuffled around a bunch of lines but he was playing as of yesterday with suzuki and tomasino which is a nice little upgrade for mercer and team canada while gritsuk and mukamadulin are uh, holding down the fort for team russia so that's the remaining devils as yarmir pitlick did not even play in the czechs elimination game uh due to an injury and um yeah don't believe I'm missing anyone, am I? Nope, that's all six devils at the tournament. Half of them are effectively gone due to injury or elimination. Um, and I feel bad for Pitlick and Moynihan. They suffered injuries early on in the preliminary round, and, you know, um, they just can't play. You know, I mean, it's not like they did anything wrong. I know Moynihan played a little bit in the Austria game and maybe sustained another injury, so he was held out the past couple games for America. Um so, you know, the hope is that maybe he gets into the gold medal game or the bronze medal game, as it were, because as mentioned, Canada, Russia is your one semifinal. USA, Finland is your other semifinal. Winners play for the gold. Losers play for the bronze. Um, losers, by the time this podcast is uploaded, you will know who won that because the tournament ends on the 5th of January. But and you will know whether or not Moynihan is there. Canada, Canada, Russia, um, I mean, at a minimum, three of the Devils guarantee themselves three more, ga- uh, two more games. Uh, Mercer is probably on the most stacked fourth line in World Junior recent <laughs> history. You know, with Ryan Suzuki and Philip Tomasino, uh, it, it's one of those classic cases of like, yeah, Mercer deserves to play like 19 minutes a night in, in every position, but you know, he's on the most stacked forward roster in World Junior recent memory. So, I mean, it's basically if you're on this team, 
you're you're excellent. So, and Canada continues to roll over everybody in this tournament. Russia may be their first major uh, obstacle. Yeah, Canada hasn't really. And of course, it's for a medal. They haven't really faced too many tough teams. I, you know, looking at their schedule, they have not faced any of these other teams that are even in this um, semifinal, I believe. And I think they're all in the same group now. No, they're not in the same group. Russia was in Group B and Canada was in A. But to your point, Canada in the preliminary round, their four games against Finland, Germany, Slovakia, uh, Switzerland, has given up four goals. I mean, yeah, that's a light schedule, right? (laughs) And and they gave up zero goals to the And their version of Germany that they played, not the one that had an impressive showing against Russia, was the version of Germany with 15 players coming off of a back-to-back. So, like... They could not have been an easier path for them to get to where they are now, but they have also been playing well. And that's not to take credit away from how well Canada's been playing. The U.S. had a uh, no. surprisingly competitive game against Slovakia um, at the time of recording. This was last night as it got to within one goal in the third period, but eventually the U.S. just uh, outclassed them uh, en route to a 5-2 to win. Yeah, Bobby Brink, John Farinacci, and Matthew Beniers, uh the Beniers being a 2021 draft eligible, one of the few still in this tournament, um, definitely pulled away. Caulfield with a big and, goal, uh, too. Sealed up the win. Yeah, Caulfield is definitely. It, it's remarkable how so much of this team is still from that remarkable 2019 uh, draft class where that, that under 18 team was just like, you know, first rounders all over the place, like Zegras, Turcotte, Camuel. And headlining Matt that draft Baldi, class. Cole Caulfield, of course. Uh, Bobby Brick. Jack, Jack Hughes, Hughes. Who did reveal who did reveal that at, in discussions with management uh, and ownership that you're not an under 20 player anymore. You're an NHL player. So you, you will not go to this tournament. And Jack is like, I'm fine with that. And I agree with that. He's not an under 20 player. Um, you may have noticed Capo Caco is not with Finland. Right. And similarly, well, Alexis Lafreniere, granted, he's not 19 years old, but I mean, OK, he is 19 years old, but you know what I mean? Like he's not in his year of final year of eligibility uh you know our hated rivals correctly told lafreniere no you you just won mvp last year and and got a gold medal you have nothing to play for well Uh, yeah exactly and the cautionary tale here is kirby doc the cautionary tale Mm -hmm. is kirby doc in that he has to get surgery and we said uh, last podcast that it may be a month or two turns out it's going to be four to five months or yeah most that's, of that's yeah season. most of if not all of the blackhawk season certainly um i don't think they have a ghost of a chance to get into the playoffs but that all you know this is a weird year where some teams could really surprise given the uh environment of the that the season's being played in however um, losing Kirby Doc is the exact reason why the Devils didn't send Hughes, the exact reason why the Rangers didn't send Kako or Lafreniere, because Hughes is still qualified for this as a 19-year-old, but he's someone who the Devils view as an integral part of their um, of their actual roster, and to facilitate that, uh, he has put on some muscle, as expected. This offseason, according to all the veterans, Kyle Palmieri said it, Zajac said it, um, this offseason has been very good to Jack Hughes. He's put in a lot of work in bulking up, which is an area that it was noticeably difficult for him last year coming in as an 18-year-old. He had, you know, he showed bits of the flash. He had good um, uh, good stats on zone entries and uh, decent ones on zone exits as well when he's carrying the puck. He was good as a puck carrier, just 
at the point where he couldn't do much with it because he kept getting muscled off, he added some weight. It was apparently 14 pounds of muscle. Uh, if I see another jacked Hughes tweet, uh, I'm going to lose my mind, but it's better to see him that way because he looks stronger on the puck just watching the scrimmage. Exactly. And that's kind of the thing why I wasn't super concerned about Hughes's rookie season is because you can learn things like that. You can, you know, putting on muscle, you know, is a challenge. And keep in mind, he's still a young man. Like he's we're not talking about a 30 year old veteran where, you know, his weight, his his weight, his frame, his body structure is it is what it is. It's not changing. Like at 19, you're still developing a little bit into your uh, adult body. And to that extent, you know, as Hughes put it himself, he spent all nine months eating steaks and uh, working <laughs> out. And you can see the results almost immediately. He is much stronger on the puck. And um, other teams are not going to be able to uh, do what they did it, at, to him as a rookie, which is basically try to body him up. Um, you know, Nico Heischer went through a similar evolution between his rookie season and his um, – sophomore mm-hmm. season where he put on I'm trying to remember the exact number six eight eight pounds of muscle and given how Nico Heischer plays like the thing about Nico Heischer is even as a rookie the dude is like no fear yeah. hockey you know similar to Zach Parise another player who's not exactly Mr. Huge um, you know they make their money and, and spend a lot of their time around the net in the corners the quote-unquote dirty areas of the offensive zone and, you know, whether or not there are three large men in front of him, if the, if the puck is in a position where he's going to go after it, he's going to go yeah. after it. And Hughes actually is similarly brave. Not I, I'd say he sure is braver. Um, but Hughes is not, you know, a perimeter player just waiting for things to come to him. Like, he, he'll go in. Now that he's got 14 extra pounds of muscle, he'll be able to win more of those battles. And more importantly, withstand some of those battles. I mean... Because instead of just being put on your wallet, he'll be able to be on his feet and you know be able to keep a play alive, win an extra rebound here and there, win an extra puck here and there. And that can make a difference between a successful play and a not-so-successful play on some mm-hmm. nights. So uh, credit to Hughes for doing the thing that he really, really needed to do. And uh, hopefully the benefits will lead to more gains on the box scores in on the score sheet and uh, – in our hearts. Yeah, and that's, you know, this is the kind of thing where let's set the expectations for the season coming in as well. There's a lot that has to go right for the Devils to surprise people. And while they have the potential to do it, the, the biggest factors of it are probably those two centers down the middle. If Heischer takes another step, if Hughes takes his first big step into the NHL and really bumps up the productivity, um, Brat getting signed and really benefiting from the steps that these centers take, you know, from these two stems the rest of the success of the team as their wingers will do better if the centers are better. They, they will have more confidence and play with more confidence if they build chemistry with their line mates. So a lot of the Devils' future, not just this season, but every season beyond, depends on on this Heischer-Hughes combo down the middle. And, you know, in terms of the other intangibles, um, can the defenseman get more involved in the offense? Can they be better at clearing the defensive zone? Can P.K. Subban, I'm not asking him to get back to his Norris Trophy winning numbers. I'm asking, can he be a player that is not an active detriment to the team? Can he be a player that um, rekindles that puck carrying ability and contributes offensively while not being a liability in the defensive end uh can he 
help out some of these new additions on the defense? And can Ty Smith show what he's shown in the WHL? These are all factors to consider. Um, and also, will this goalie tandem truly be the best one in the Eastern Conference? This is all important questions to answer for this Devils team as this goes on. And that's the kind of questions we'll be looking to answer, not whether or not they'll be competitive in this 56-game gauntlet in what is arguably the group of death. Well, exactly. And I'm glad you brought up the goaltending because I was about to say if the Devils are going to have any chance of, you know, making a playoff spot. And remember, this year for this season, making the playoffs is very simple and straightforward, Dan. Make the top four. Top four in the division are in. There's no wild card. There's no you don't have to watch the other divisions. You can just focus on the East division entirely, which, as you said, is kind of a group of death. But as any soccer, and you know, both of us are soccer fans. We know what groups of yeah. death are. That's kind of where the term comes from. Um, the fun thing about groups of death is that there's not really a favorite in a group yeah. of death. Like even even the team that is expected to do well, and you know, I'll, I'll name check. Say, um, goodness, I'm trying to think who actually on paper would be the best. Maybe maybe Boston would probably be yeah. a favorite. Maybe Boston, Washington. Philly, Washington. Those seem to be the strongest picks. I, I, I don't believe in Philly. I don't believe. It. All right. Well, if you don't believe in Philly, it's, then it's time for it's time. It, it's time for the goaltending cycle to for the fans to start turning on uh, the goaltender. And then the Islanders um, too. If you don't believe in Philly, they trounced Philly in the playoffs last year, and they're bringing back pretty much the same squad. Well, they don't have. If you want to talk about RFA's that are well, outside yeah, that but, are not yeah, that are big, Matt but Barzell's he will a be signed. Let's be real. He's also not in Sweden right now, so that's a little bit well, of an easier true. situation. Matt Barzell does not have. Actually, is Barzell in Canada? Oh, that's a good question. I don't think he is in Canada anymore. I'm pretty sure I saw that he was in the States. But regardless, this isn't the Garden, the, the island state of hockey. This is not the Garden um, State. No, I apologize. We're, we're, de- we're deviating from the main, the point I'm trying to make here, which is that even for the quote-unquote favorites of the division, it's going to be a tough, 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 tough mm-hmm. run for them. And given that it's 56 games, a bad three-week run could be your season it's likewise a winning streak could be your season so if the devils are going to get anywhere and surprise anybody the goaltending needs to be on point from moment one and then everything kind of has to flow from there the other big question is going to be how well do the does the team perform in five on five under lindy ruff because that was i think the biggest systemic problem under the John Hines Ray Shero era of Devils hockey which is that this team got its butt whipped at 5 on 5 mm-hmm. like you know like it like forget whether or not you think that oh you know it's marginal John oh they were okay in this type of stat no no in 5 on 5 almost across the board they were drowning the opposition was enjoying their time against the Devils in 5 on 5 so it's on Lindy Ruff as well as the players whether or not a rough has the right systems and strategies in place and B whether or not the players are good enough to perform well in this um, in those systems and strategies. And if they can, and the goaltending is performing as well as they did last season, it's not impossible. It's not like, it's something that there are eight teams in this division. And instead of having like, you know, three favorites and then like two guaranteed misses this is like four better teams and four spoiler teams that's what this feels like yeah exactly and you can make a case that one of those favorite teams is truly a spoiler in disguise Mm -hmm. and uh, you know it's it's teams that are used to at this point being 
more of a spoiler role because by the time they play any sort of important games, they're only important for one team. Um, and so it's interesting to have the Devils be an underdog for the first time in a long time, given that their off seasons have been on paper quite successful for the last couple of years, but it hasn't manifested into results. If it manifests here, that's a big win for uh, Fitzgerald. It's a big win for the perception of this team. But I also already think that the perception of this team is not as bad as, say, uh, you know, Detroit Red Wings or Chicago Blackhawks missing Taves, Doc, and Crawford now going into the season. Um, it's going to be a much tougher season for some of these teams that, you know, people can tell that there aren't that many X factors that can come together to make them competitive. Whereas for the Devils, there are, but this time around, it's like the X factors aren't the difference from the Devils being a non-playoff team to a playoff team. It's like the the X factors make them from not a complete embarrassment to a respectable spoiler. Right. And I think that's kind of the appropriate way to look at this season in advance. And this isn't the season preview show that may be Mm -hmm. next week since we're going to have our season preview on the site starting this week, because believe it or not, we're less than two weeks from the actual NHL season starting. Um, It's coming up real fast. Um, But more serious. But again, more seriously, is the fact that um, everybody's expectations need to be tempered. Last season, it was, you know, I thought they were a playoff team. You thought you probably thought they could be a playoff team. A lot of fans thought they could be a playoff team. And then they face planted and showed everybody they were not even a playoff team by the end of 2019. Um, So I think everybody's expectations are more tempered to say, you know what? As long as they're not a last place team in this division, I think people will say that's a success. That's okay. I think expectations will rise if and when we get back to a full normal 82 game season. Um, I think at some point, you know, you collect all these young players, you have all these high draft picks. At some point, the expectations just become, okay, guys, when is it happening? When is the when is it all going to come together? And when is that leap going to be made? And to your earlier point, you know, that's going to be heavily dependent on what does Heischer and Hughes do? Does Brett get come back and make another step? What other uh, acquisitions does uh, Fitzgerald go out and get? Does Johansson turn out to be a core player? Does Palmieri and Gusev get re-signed and they turn out to be core players. What happened? Does the, you know, does Ty Smith, you know, turn out to be a solid NHL player right away? What do you get out of the other quote unquote young players like the Sharon Govich's, the balls, the Akatyaks, um, the Walsh's, the um, Bastions. I don't know why I keep giving them plurals, Dan. They're, I'm literally naming them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but my point is that, you, I was like, I didn't you know, know there were more than one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, th- that's right. There really <laughs> isn't. Um, but my point is that there's a lot of questions here. But, you know, if if, if the questions don't have to be answered this season is the, is the larger lesson here. And that's to everybody's benefit. But they got to be answered soon. Yeah. Yeah. And they got to be answered soon. But maybe a little bit, you know, maybe a little bit more leeway just because this is Fitzgerald's first season in the weirdest circumstances. Um, But yeah, it's, he still carries with him part of the regime that has left a very bad taste in the devil's mouths. Well, it was exciting to, you know, look at the potential that was accrued during that time and how different that team looked from when Shiro and Fitzgerald first took over. Uh, It's time. It's time to start manifesting that potential. It's time to start making it something that uh, the Devils can be proud of and can be a competitive team for years to come rather than, uh, you know, a basement dweller waiting for the potential to hit. 
Yeah, pretty much. And um, again, as mentioned, if you can take a step forward, that the very least you can quote unquote sell to the fan base, sell to well, maybe more importantly, sell to the owners that hey, you made a right call hiring me as the GM. You made a right call with Lindy. You made a right call and all of these other decisions because now we're making progress. Yeah, so we'll see how that manifests. And as we keep going here uh, through training camp, we should have pretty reasonably close to the full list of Devils um, players that are make the roster for next podcast. And until that time, keep watching, keep following the news, and uh, let's uh, let's hope for good health for Nico Heischer and Mackenzie Blackwood. Yep. Uh, let's hope that Black, Blackwood's tweak is just that, that he sure is perfectly fine to start on January 14th. And Brat gets a contract, whether that's because Brat wants to sign a contract or Fitzgerald is willing to give it. I don't care at this point. Mm-hmm. As you said earlier, get it done. Yep. And so all that being said, thanks again for joining us on this episode of the Garden State of Hockey. Very excited to have hockey back, obviously. We've been waiting a long time for this. And so uh, we're going to get back to the third period of the scrimmage because that's where we find ourselves now. But thanks again for listening as usual. And we'll catch you next week as the season creeps ever closer.